Welcome to the Spiritual Sexual Shamanic Podcast. Exploring sacred sexuality, activating life force, and empowered transformation, these intimate conversations take you under the sheets with faculty from ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts. I'm your host, Rhea Yoshida, faculty and organizer with ISTA. Welcome to today's episode. As always, we have an incredible guest. We have Bruce Lyon with us. Bruce is part of the Wisdom Circle of ISTA. He's also part of Haydn Temple in New Zealand, the headquarters of a modern mystery school. He is passionate about the processes of initiation, personal and planetary. And that's exactly what we'll be diving into today. Today's topic is all about initiation. So, Bruce, welcome, and please initiate us on initiation. Hey, Ria. Nice to be here. Okay, well, you know, initiation's a big, big theme, but I guess the, the essence of it is um, coming awake, coming alive, the universe self-realizing itself, and, and using humans, this amazing, unique thing called a human being, which is, has this property of self-awareness, like we can become aware of ourself and we can then decide what to do with that self. So I feel like there's two major currents of initiation for humans and, and both of them are in ISTA. And the first current in the world is what I call a current of coming alive. So this is, you know, the realization that actually throughout history, most people live lives of quiet desperation, as some poet said. Most people are like are following a kind of herd, instinctual, impulsive life in front of the tally, being asked, you know, told what to do and what to buy and what to think. And so the first, you know, stream of initiation that's really been powerful in the last hundred years for the masses is is this come alive, individuate, have a real life, like find an authentic thing that lives at the core of you and live that regardless of what's around you. So this is a, a great stream of liberation really that comes from self-empowering the core of the human being, burst into flame, emerge, radiate yourself in the world, don't care what people think, access your sexual energy, your emotional energy, find your life force and your power, and then have the balls and the guts and the hearts to live your own life. So this is, you know, something that Esther brings in level one, and it's like it's, it's a current of life force, it's a transmission of awakening, it's a, it's a liberation, it's an integration, particularly of those areas um, of emotional and sexual repression that stop people um, having enough juice and enough energy to live an authentic life. Okay, so this is a major current and it's a current that millions of people are living now, you know, like it's a, it's a current of individuation. Be someone, for fuck's sake, be someone authentic and real. Give the universe something good to eat. Be a whole alive human being instead of a robot or a zombie or a, you know, like a, you know, a mill. So this, this current is, is beautiful. It's liberating but it's only the first stage. So once you become someone, then you can start to have this journey of being no one. So first of all, come alive and then die. 
And the dying part is another stream of initiation, which says, okay, now you're alive, you're an individual, you're a sovereign being, you're actually living an authentic life from your core, you've got your own Facebook page, you're, maybe you're a life coach, maybe you've created a website, maybe you're helping other people become alive, you're vibrating your aliveness into the world, you've stopped being a planet just orbiting you know, other suns and you burst into flame and you have bought your creativity and your juice and your life force and you are shining it into the world. Okay, great. Now what? So this is um, a huge problem in the world because we have this cult of individuality, like everybody's an individual, which is beautiful, except that we live as part of a whole. So we're broken out of like the idea of a collective that would control us and limit our sovereignty and tell us what to do and religions that are full of dogma and doctrine and we've liberated ourselves, but we're still just one cell in a great organism. So the next stage or the next current of initiation is that life force that lives at the core of you that's the one life. That's the big life. That's the life of Earth. That's the life of cosmos. So you are that. And so how to be that instead of being this little individual self caught up in your own petty ideas and directions and ideas, how to, first of all, align yourself with that great life and then surrender to it, like become the ocean that lives in the drop, not the drop that's in the ocean. And so that, that's a process of death. And, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted. And the trouble with, um, with most transformational processes, they, they just take you to the event horizon of that death, but they don't take you over. So a lot of people are wanting to live on that edge of, like, aligning my life with the great life and let it run through me and so on. But eventually, like a ripe fruit, you realize that that's not the whole thing. Now you have to surrender your life to, this, to that great life. And that is a current of dying. And if you mix these two currents, it's hard because one's saying live, you know, like be an individual, express yourself. And the other saying die, let go, surrender into cosmos and be the one that's living through an individual. So, you know, the truth is that we both have both, like there's parts of us that are individuating all of the time and there's parts of us that are dying. But um, the planet as a whole is in this deep mass initiatory process. And that's meaning a whole lot of people have to start coming alive, really deciding who they are and what they want to live. And a whole lot of those who have come alive have to give up their individual identity and their sovereignty willfully into being an expression of the greater life, to become Earth itself, to become cosmos, awake and alive in a human being. So that, um, that second current is the one that most is alive and interesting for me these days. And it's really difficult because people are still conditioned with the old idea of sacrifice and martyrdom and like, why should I like give up this amazing life? And of course, it's because there's something greater, you know, there's something more magnificent to live through you than your individual self. And so... Um, 
having those people find themselves on the planet and and bow, you know, like humanity is at a point where it really needs to bow before these greater powers. And we might not call it God anymore. We might have new age spiritual ideas and beliefs about them, but there is still a deep narcissism and self-indulgent in my generation and really the whole generation of awakening. Yes, come alive, but if you stay in your individual aliveness too long, you're like in an adolescence that that hasn't left home. You're, you, you don't know how to take the next level of initiation, which is to assume responsibility as the collective. And that's not blowing up your little self to be somehow responsible for the whole. It's allowing your identity to shift and die and, and flow out of your individual self with all of its concerns and egocentricity and allow it to be the great life and allow that life to start to flood through the being. So this is, um, yeah, this is a, a, a willful act of love that lets go of narcissism, lets go of self-indulgence. Yes, I have a magnificent life. Yes, I have 29 orgasms a minute. Yes, I, I wear the best clothes from, you know, Bali and I eat organic food and I hang out with cool people and so on. But then what? Like for what? because we're part of this great thing. We're just the cells within humanity, the cells within this planet that have stood up in bipeds vibrating with the life of the universe, able finally to say, why are we doing this? Why are we coming alive? And that act of surrender, that brave, irrevocable act of putting your life on the altar of something greater, that's not just a, like a sacrifice that we used to do at war, you know, greater love has no man and he give his life for the collective. It's actually our liberation. It's a great expression of something new. It's an empowerment so that so much life force starts to run through the being that is not just yours, that belongs to the collective and it brings synchronicity and it brings magic and it connects people in ways they could never possibly imagine. And all of a sudden you're, Life coach figured out life that's, you know, for you and it starts to disappear and be swept by this great wave that's coming into humanity. So that, to me, is the exciting liberation of the second stage of initiation. And then ultimately, you know, the, the analogy I have for it is we need a, um, a mature global spirituality. Okay, we've let go of the dogma of religion. We've indulged the narcissism of spiritual, you know, new ageness. And then how do we have a mature spirituality that doesn't limit us, but accelerates and explodes our evolution? And for me, the, the simple analogy of that is, is looking cosmically at the way they're up moons orbiting planets, orbiting stars, orbiting black holes at the center of galaxies, galaxies flying apart from each other, a whole chaotic, beautiful, wild universe. And so I feel like the initiation is when a human being can honor their earth self, their personal self, their individuality, burst forth as a sun, like be a creative store of energy that's nuclear exploding from the core of your own creativity and sharing your vibration and your light in the world, but also collapse into a black hole. Also be the emptiness, the dark, the great perfection, what lives at the core of galaxies, the seed emptiness at the core of everything. Also be that and allow 
um, other suns to burst around you and planets and all of the whole chaotic beauty of, of, of the universe. So on the planet, we're still struggling with that. We have, we have like, um, you know, nations, which are like planet states. And then we have attempts like United States or the United Nations or the European Union to start to have suns start to like play with each other. But we don't have yet mature people who have come so fully alive and found each other enough and surrendered into the life to be able to hold a center of mature, enlightened spirituality on the planet that actually helps everybody come alive and be at the level that they are. It's not like using a hammer, making everyone a nail. Sometimes the right thing for someone to do is individuate. Sometimes the right thing for someone to do is die. So, you know, to sum that up, these two great currents of initiation that I feel like are streaming through Worcester and they're streaming and, you know, in many ways into the planet now is this imperative to live on the one hand, which is like, like bursting out of people's hearts and their sex and their body and their life. I'm just done with all of the limitations and the restrictions and the, and the, and the falseness and the bullshit and I want to live. Yes, one great stream. And then the other great stream that's pouring in is die. Like, let go of your life. You're not going to, you know, beyond a certain point, your life does not becomes a prison unless it's surrendered to the source of the life that is at the very core of your being. So these two currents, you know, ride through Easter and they ride through each of our own hearts and our beings. And, you know, one is striving and liberation and surrender. And the other is, uh, no, one is striving and liberation and the other is surrender and love and laying your life on the altar of something greater, really letting go of having an individual. And this is where deep relationship and deep surrender to the collective comes, not as an act of sacrifice or a rule, but because your life is offered in love to something greater than you. So that's my, you know, preamble rant on initiation. I love it. It's so seductive to, to be stuck in one because perhaps, you know, what's coming to me is, is we just want an answer. We don't, we, we don't sit long enough in the question. So I'm curious, you know, what's a question that, that you really ask yourself often around initiation, like the, perhaps the ingredients of it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I get it's seductive, really, because we're still if we're still seeking for something outside of ourselves to save us. So many people want to go early into the second phase of sacrifice because they're tired of their life. They don't actually want to live their own life. Their life is like a burden for them. They don't know how to be authentic. So they try to give it early, you know, or alternatively, people who are having an authentic life don't want to let that go. So I think the question for me is like, how am I in, in that duality in myself? Am I, am I living my own authentic truth? And at the same time, am I surrendered to something greater? So those are the kind of the two questions to stop me getting stuck in one stream or the other. Brilliant. And then what would you say to the, the animal instinct? Which, which has its own intelligence and its own codes or um, gravitational pull. Yeah. And how would you dance with that? 
Yeah, well, first of all, to get past the same duality that we've had in the gender wars, we've had this duality between our spiritual, you know, high surrender to the greater good and what we think of as our animal instincts that are like selfish and jealous and territorial. And But, you know, I don't really think that deeply represents the animal. I think the animal does not want to be ruled by the ego sitting in front of screens all day. You know, the, the, the animal has a natural surrender to the life force, just like our spirit does. And so I would say marry deeply the instinct of your animal with the spiritual instinct of your soul and let go of so much focus on the mind and the emotions. Brilliant. And how would you then, um, so, so let's say you, you've gone through phase one and you've really come alive, you've owned it, and you've really gotten to a place where you're tired of hanging around drinking pina coladas on the beaches of Bali. And you're like, what else is there? And to really mm. have that second phase of initiation, to really surrender and, and, and feeling and being with the richness of kind of becoming the compost from the ripe fruit coming back to the earth, coming back to the natural cycle, you know, is there a third phase or do you go on to the multiple phases? Because in a lot of spiritual worlds, um, we talk so much about rebirth, but we don't really talk about death. Like death hasn't for some reason been sexy, even though it's guaranteed for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, you know, I felt like I spent the first 30 years of my life trying to arrive. Yes, my physical body was born, but then I had to drag in all of the other parts of me that weren't consciously conceived and weren't, you know, didn't, didn't make it through the portal into incarnation. And I see a lot of people haven't fully arrived on the planet because bits of them are still in the inner world. So first 30 years was like pulling everything in, like, come on, arrive, fully be here. You're not going to, you can't take initiation unless you're fully here. So then now I've entered into probably the last 30 years and bits of me are dying. And dying is not just a sudden thing that happens one day when you suck your last breath. Dying is when bits of you start to put up camp in the subtle worlds again, not because they are escaping incarnation because they don't like being here, but because they've completed their cycle. So you start to build a bridge between the subtle worlds and this world with more and more of yourself leaving. So I think dying is a 30-year process, just like being born is a 30-year process. And, you know, like I'm, I'm having to learn that process and you know i would love just like we have ecstatic death uh, birth now and you know we should we should understand and embrace that dying is a process and it's a beautiful process and it has within it such liberation and sweetness yes the the liberation and the sweetness because it, it can be quite um frightening or we have a lot of projections a lot of like internal representations of what we think it is versus actually tasting it and, and being with that. So tell us about, you know, your, the flavors that you're experiencing. Yeah. Well, you know, like Rumi said, die while you still live. Like, you know, so one of the ways that you can make a bigger black hole in your sun or like have more emptiness is to have less of a self. So dying is letting go yourself a little bit at a time. And people get really afraid on that event horizon of the black hole where they think, oh my God, if I take another step, I'm, di I'm dying. You know, and of course you are, but 
but only a bit of you is. You get rebirthed and resurrected out of that emptiness. So once you start to understand that death is your friend, then it's only going to take those bits of you that you're done with, the bits of your ego that are, are, are stinking now, they're decaying so badly because they've had 40 years, you know, like expression, like that the death is just going to go through you like a winter and take the, the branches and the fruit that need decaying and it's going to renew the parts of you that still want to live. Once you understand that, then, then you fall into death like a lover and you say, okay, like take the bits of me that I'm done with. Like I can't even decide. Like a lot of people want to do it like, oh, death, take this bit, I'm done with that. But it's like, no, death is much smarter than that. Death sometimes will take your darlings. Death will sometimes like rip the very things that you're most attached to out of your hands so that you become more alive. So when you understand that process, there's a deep surrender into the wisdom of the death, which is part of life. Yes, it's about being more alive. And, and we are so attached to euphoria and euphoric feelings. We reject the dysphoric. But aliveness is, is the, whole, it's the whole spectrum. It's the whole beyond the spectrum. It's, it's all of it. Yeah, and that's particularly, <clears throat> you know, uh, expressive in, in organisms like Ista, where we're reclaiming Eros, you know, but the Greeks were smart. They had Eros and Thanatos. They understood that Eros was the life wish, you know, the impulse, the imperative to live at all costs. But Thanatos was also the death wish. And the thing is that if we don't uncover the death wish in ourselves as much as the, uh, the life wish, then it goes into the shadow and you just have to look at the global suicide rate. You know, people are more in danger of killing themselves than they are of a terror attack because if you don't own your Thanatos, if you don't own the part of you that is willing and wanting to embrace death, then you, you defend against it. And you could say that one, you know, one of the major global issues is this cult of individuality, but the other is fear of death. Like we're so afraid of death and you only have to look at the coronavirus and everything that's bringing up the people and what we're doing to the planet and, and, and you know, the, the death of other species and someone to know humans are like so contracted away from their death. So yes, the danger of just embracing eros and life force is that you can contract away and deny death. Yes, it, it reminds me of something a spiritual teacher shared once is, you know, the spiritual meaning of suicide is there is yeah. a part of you that's dying that wants to die, but we get confused that it's a, a, an actual death versus allowing a shamanic death. Yeah. And to really and that, go to that, yeah. And that's such a critical repression of mm -hmm. uh, the, a deep longing of the soul, you know, so much spiritual emergency is just psychologized back into normalcy and, and zombiness instead of like really embracing that there's a part of us that knows we are much more than this. And it's quite obvious in some places like New Zealand where I live, we have one of the highest teenage suicide rates in the world. And it's not because, you know, we don't have a good standard of living and all of those things. It's because, you know, that, that, that we're not really holding up the deep adventure of what it is to be a human being. Like generations before may have had to survive and chop down the trees and like, you know, like bless them. They made survival their thing. You know, but the generations to come, 
they they have to make love their thing and life their thing, not survival. So there's a part of their spirits that are too strong to just join the rat race and the mortgage and the you know have a five four hundred one k and be just just be happy, you know, like because there's something in them that came for something far wilder than that, far more adventurous than that. They came to bring a new civilization and we're we're between those civilizations and so there's one civilization saying hey don't die like like be you know like settle down like relax join the rat race and the other saying fuck that we came to live and, you know so they're in deep conflict and that's part of our global initiation uh, for humanity yes so you know the more personal the more universal tell us about you know your death experience mm. Yeah, well, I feel like in some ways I'm a product of my generation. And uh, so I had to find myself, you know, that was the, that was the big journey, uh, you know, from, from the 60s on through, which is like, you know, find myself, figure out love and sex and drugs and, and, and um, relationship. And like, you know, but it's also, it was also a very narcissistic journey. And, and the costs of that really were that it was, liberational bus that became the most important thing and so I feel like my death as I've aged has been how to surrender that into the collective so that it transmits to another generation that don't necessarily have to go through all of the same you know uh, journeys into the forest that they can actually get through it faster and get to that place where uh, there's a deeper responsibility of the generations to come. They're inheriting a planet in, in a much different state than it was when I was born. And they need like deep and healthy uh, transmissions of permission to come alive and then encouragement to offer that life for something greater. So I feel like that's that's the deathing process for me is it continually, you know, letting go of the part of me that still wants to like blow out into the world and take the piece that I've bought and make it even bigger and bigger and bigger <clears throat> and to just keep <clears throat> learning how the beauty of collapsing into the black hole and letting other people shine and supporting their shining and but not disappearing into the eldership that people want to give to me, which is, you know, like, just sit back and bless us as we do our thing. You know, I want my eldership to be virile and alive and powerful, but, but with a dark power that, 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 that comes into all of the shining rather than like retired off somewhere. So I'm learning how to die gracefully and still be in my power. Brilliant. Such a beacon of dark light that mm. can uh, be the North Star in that. It's, it's really fascinating, you know, because of my unique experiences in life, when I hear surrender, when I hear letting go, when I hear, you know, bowing at the feet, it, it, it's relaxing and calming to my nervous system. But I can totally recall times where it's like, whoa, that's frightening or terrifying for my nervous system. So it definitely is quite the initiation. Yeah, and it's also not one size fits all. Like sometimes, you know, it's time to get on your own hind feet and raise your fist against cosmos and, and stand up for yourself. Like it's not time to bow. 
But other times it's time to get on your knees and put your head on the earth and realize you know nothing and you're just a, you know, you are that amazing life, but you're also just this little speck of ego and pettiness and you're wanting to give it up and let something more interesting flow through you, you know, so both are true. And it's to do it as often and as daily that, that you know, to come alive is not in one instant. Maybe you might have a, a, an instantaneous breakthrough of some kind of experience to really light up your fire. And to keep the fire burning requires fuel. And so now yeah. to let it turn into ash. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also it's probably one thing I would say, particularly in a culture like as to where people come for high intensity workshops for a week and looking back over my life of, you know, watching people come alive and then fall asleep, come alive and fall asleep, come alive and fall asleep. Like, you know, like go through this process of wanting the quick fix, whether it's a workshop or ayahuasca or, or you know, um, a spiritual tradition or a new relationship or money or something outside to give that sense of vitality and aliveness. And then really realizing that it requires sustained effort, you know, but you're never going to get somewhere where it's not required anymore. That as long as you're in incarnation, like you're here in the deep work, the soul work, the discipline It's not all just like flow and Shakti and so on. It's also Shiva and discipline and, and getting up every morning and doing your practices and so on. So that the grace and the lightning can be made manifest. So yeah, Russ never sleeps. <laughs> so um, it's ongoing practice spot on it's it's the secret sauce is there is no secret sauce mm. that, it, that it takes effort and and we're so spoiled to wanting quick fixes and the world will constantly sell you quick fixes mm -hmm. because that's what we're, we're thirsty and hungry for when it's so much more rewarding to have the, the the lived experience of doing the discipline of doing the daily effort and it doesn't have to be ginormous it's 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 little shifts, little drops every day. And it's the, the collective of that over the years. Yeah, particularly when it comes to freedom, you know, only the truly free know how much discipline is required in freedom, you know. So freedom is not like a, a breaking free of control and sort of doing whatever you want. Freedom is the application of your spirit to your life with dedication over a prolonged period of time. Yes. And also maybe, you know, it's good to say that freedom is not the self being free. Freedom ultimately is freedom from yourself, freedom from the prison of your individual, you know, life. That's right. The, the more freedom and liberation I've tasted, the more responsibility it, it takes to, to be in integrity and yeah. to really, um, be tender and sensitive and delicate with, with the synergy of the people of my beloveds of, of my, you know, collective peers and fellow human beings. And, and to be awake to that, to really feel it, it's, it's extraordinarily expansive. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's only when you truly have power that you can embrace the depths of the vulnerability of what it is to be human. And I know that there can be a, a you know, a challenge in this whole self-empowerment work as like everybody is into the liberation and the sovereignty and the self-responsibility, but 
it's the being able to hold the tenderest parts that actually open the door to love and to genuine, you know, healthy sacrifice. And that's the, that's the recognition that at the core we are, we are just the one being and the most tender parts in each of us live in all of us. And uh, so, yeah, to be able to not be lost in our tenderness, but to have it fully there along with our strength. Brilliant. What, what's something that you're often um, misunderstood about that you'd love to just clarify? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, being misunderstood is, is, uh, is at a certain point just becomes part of the process. I feel like in the early days when you come alive and become, you know, uh, find yourself as love, there's lots of mutual support and recognition. You know, you, you find your tribe and they understand you and they love you and you love them. And, but I think as your path deepens and the intensity, intensity of it gets greater, you're much more likely to be uh, <clears throat> not responded to with love. In fact, sometimes if you can be really challenging and people maybe five years later will be like, thank you for that, but at the time they hate you. So you have to be willing to be have emotional energy and projection and so on come upon you because your love has grown stronger than the desire to be liked. And also for me, it becomes like a water blasting of the remnants of my ego. So in other words, when someone's projecting on me, there's always some truth in it. There's always a, you know, it doesn't matter how much other stuff there is, how much misunderstanding, how they don't see me or whatever. There's also a place where they do see me very clearly. And there's a piece of ego that needs to be water blasted away. So at a certain point, one of the ways of growing is to be misunderstood, but find the nugget of truth in the misunderstanding and see if you can eat it. <laughs> Love it. You know, you, you have so many incredible quotes um, that have really been so supportive on my journey. And one of the best ones that's really coming through now that I remember so clearly is you said, love is not a cute little kitten you get to just pet on your lap, but love is a ferocious tiger that'll rip your fucking heart out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that still alive for you? Yeah, and my heart continues to be ripped out, <laughs> I must say. I feel, I feel like that's one of the big challenges around relationship as well is that because we've consumerized everything else, we want to consumerize love. We want to have a relationship partner. We want to have someone who will make us feel good about ourselves and so on. But, but love is the ultimate dissolution of ego. And so when love arrives, it's, it, it isn't going to be the pretty little kitten. It's, it's going to force you into a deep uh, confrontation with your selfishness and <laughs> with your, you know, with your ego. And, you know, so that, uh, thankfully, you know, once you start looking for the, the Hallmark card love and if you truly want love, like most people say they want love, but they don't really want love because love will fuck you up in a deep and lasting way, you know. But if you really want love and you're surrendered to it and you say, come on, it's going to come in a wild raging fire that's going to strip you bare and, and uh, you know, because you're giving your consent to be ravished by the most powerful force in the universe. Like, that's not something you do lightly. So um, I can see why so many people, like, go looking for love. It's way, way more fun than actually meeting love because love is, uh, is wild. Yes. And, and you said earlier it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And so, you know, what would you say then for... Um, what would you say then that people do have, you know, 
faint of hearts or is there power buried deep within? Like what's the, what's the way to tessellate that crossover? Yeah, I mean, the, you can have a long sustained boldness in the small things which can end up, you know, being much more productive than the great acts of liberation. So, you know, I often be like a scientist, you know, like have the hypothesis that you live in a friendly universe and that there are forces that are going to help you and support you to emerge if you just take a little step. <clears throat> and so like a guy, like a good scientist, get some data, take risks in the little things, like, you know, make a movement towards authenticity, make a movement towards, you know, embracing death and see what the universe does. So I think uh, that's, the, that's the way to tessellate the journey. So good. Obviously, we can talk to you forever. And mm. so we'll just have to have you back on the podcast. But in just wrapping this up, I'd love to move into some quick fire questions. Sure. Love it. So Justin, maybe, you know, three to five words or less. In just a few words, what does freedom mean to you? It means not having a me to worry about it. What did you eat for dinner last night? I had pizza. Yum. <laughs> if you were a piece of furniture, what would you be? I would be an armchair. Ooh, one of those color. ones with really deep, I'd be a green one, one of those ones with really like deep things so everyone's money fell out when they sat down for a long period of time, you know, and just collected over time. <laughs> I love it. What are you reading right now? I am reading Jung's Red Book again. Uh, when's your favorite time to make love? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I reckon it's probably 4 a.m., New Zealand time. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand time. <laughs> Got it. If you could uh, wake up tomorrow and then magically have gained a new skill or ability, what would it be? Uh, I would love to be able to paint what I see. Yeah, I would love. I would love to be have the skill of the artists that can appreciate the beauty that I see all around me. Mm. Gorgeous. Yes. We would all love to see what you see <laughs> painted <laughs> on canvas with colors. Brilliant. So last but not least, you know, what haven't I asked you that you'd love to share with us? Um, yeah. You haven't asked me, um, what I want to see in the world ahead. And yeah, the two streams in me are one, a deep heartbreak and grief for the magnificence of what we've been offered on this planet and how little we see that and how much we waste our energy and our time on things that ultimately don't matter at all. So that breaks my heart every day to see the waste of, of what's been given. And the other side of that is 
the great hope and belief in the human spirit. Like I have met in my life so many amazing, brilliant people whose lives are shining examples of what it is to be human so that I, I now trust and love and am proud to be human, which for a long time I didn't. So, yeah, the other side is the encouragement of, of, of a world that, wakes to the beauty of what we have and comes together in a deep love and and commitment to be worthy of it. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yes, to be proud, to be human, to be encouraged. Mm. Incredible, Bruce. Thank you. How can um, people, yeah, how can people find you or reach out to you? Well, <clears throat> lots of my stuff is on the web. There's need to put my name in, you know, or if they're interested in the mystery school work, there's Haydn and, and temples that are landing around the world. And Esther's a really good place to go hang out in the, uh, the fragrance of some of my DNA. Incredible. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Sexual Shamanic Podcast. To find out more about ISTA's retreats, online festivals, or to work with our faculty, see our website, ista.life, or find us on Facebook at ista.life and on Instagram at ista underscore tribe.